The Sober Highway Podcast is brought to you by Brainwashed Coffee Company. We all know how important coffee is to the recovery community, but what's even more important is that Brainwashed Coffee Company donates 50% of its proceeds to people in addiction recovery. Visit brainwashedcoffeecode.com and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for 20% off your coffee order. What better way to support people in addiction recovery than with a great bag or bundle of Brainwashed Coffee? Brainwashed Coffee Company. Simple coffee for complicated people. We are also brought to you by Fukit Clothing. Fukit is an inspirational brand with the mission to inspire and motivate people to live life without regret and accept challenges that are worth the risk. Visit the link in the episode description and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for a discount on your order. I'm actually wearing one of their hats right now as I'm recording and editing this episode. Again, check out Fukit Clothing at the link in the episode description and help support an amazing brand bringing awareness to mental health issues and suicide prevention. What's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, June 29th, 2021, and it is time for the Giancarlo Stanton, episode 27 of your favorite recovery talk show, The Sober Highway Podcast. Oof, that one was very painful for me because you guys, if you don't know already, I'm a huge Mets fan. But anyway, uh, given that July 4th is coming up this weekend, we thought it would be a great idea to discuss how to deal with peer pressure and getting through social gatherings, drug and alcohol free. This will be a good episode to listen to on repeat, especially in early recovery, because getting through those social gatherings during this part of your recovery process can be especially difficult. Get ready, get set, and let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Dan. And my name is Anika. And welcome to the Sober Highway Podcast. We are two young social workers who have dedicated our lives and careers to affecting change in the addiction recovery community. We want to use this podcast as a platform to take the things we have learned over the course of our careers and share it with our listeners. At the end of the day, we hope to inspire as many people as we can to make a change and live a lifestyle free of drugs and alcohol. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. got this thing going on with uh with Ivorone brothers so mm-hmm. they they Michelle and I are doing a barbecue for them and uh they want the other day he told us that he wanted he wanted us to show up at the store early to like load the van so we can go to the barbecue and then I told him I was like you know I'm recording my podcast on sun on Sunday morning Right. And he goes, oh, well, then I'll just have someone loaded for you. But I don't trust it. Because he's he he's they, they've done that to me before where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll load it. And they'll be like, and then when I get there, I'll be like, yeah, we only got the grill in the van. So you have to do everything else. I'm like, oh, OK, great. But um, for those of you that live on Long Island, if you want some high quality, if you're if you really want some high quality meat high quality deli products, high quality Italian food of all kinds. You should definitely check out Ivorone Brothers. They have four, I believe they have four locations. They have Master Queens, Lake Success, uh, the Lake Success Shopping Center. They have uh, Woodbury, 
the Woodbury store on uh, Jericho Turnpike. I'm sorry, no, I think it's Woodbury Road. And then they also have um, uh, Wanta, and they also have a standalone restaurant in Plainview, which is absolutely delicious. And they treat their customers like family. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with them. Um, so anything interesting happened this week? Not really. Just the usual. Busy. <laughs> nothing, nothing really exciting, honestly. It's, it's like one of those things. It's just like the mundane, like, day in, day out. Yeah. Same. I mean... I guess there's always just challenges when, when, when you're moving into a new apartment or you're like starting like a new chapter of your life, I guess. And so we continue to have issues here at the apartment. With um, like, so the what's going on itself or just the furniture? Oh, it's a little bit. Well, it's a little bit of both. So first, our it seemed that our thermostat something we had an issue with our thermostat because we were setting it and like we tried setting it for like 70 degrees i don't know what you guys keep your house at or if you you guys even have central air we do we keep it a little warmer than that um we're not very happy with that we have one of those smart um thermostats i don't know if you have that no um yeah, I'll go on a little tangent here and say mm-hmm. we have the Hive system and we've had it since we moved in for the past couple of years. Um, I'm not very happy with it. It has a lot of issues in terms of like using the tech, logging in, kicking you out, not letting you log in for like days at a time. Um, we're actually thinking about switching over because it has so many issues. You're going to get the Nest? Yeah. yeah that's, what I, that's what we were get, we were thinking about getting. Because we would set our thermostat and the last the last few days and it wouldn't even get remotely close to that temperature. Like it honestly felt like it was the vents were coming were blowing out hot air. But you have and like a, it's it's through the apartment building, right? Yeah, but I mean like every apartment has their own thermostat. Yeah. So we would set it to 70 and at one point it got up to like like almost 85 degrees in our apartment. It was so hot in here that we literally just had to shut the thermostat off and open the windows. And it got like down to like 80 degrees. That was the closest. We, that was the coolest we could get it over the weekend. So we I had wonder to call- if the whole, whole system's like overloaded. Cause I know like on really hot days, like in my house, like it's a standalone house, but on really hot days, like it doesn't cool down quickly. Like the whole day I'll, I'll keep, being set on 72 and it'll go down like a little incrementally mm-hmm. over time. But in an apartment building, I wonder if it's like something like that. That's weird. I, I mean, I guess that could be, but it was weird because like the hallway of the building was ice cold. But then when you'd walk into our build into our apartment, it was just really weird. So call maintenance. Well, that's what we did. We called the landlord. The landlord said that he would have someone come over and um, they came over Right. Well, I had already left for work yesterday, but it was right before Michelle left for work. So he came, he fixed everything. And we woke up this morning and I told Michelle, I was like, we're going to set it to like 68 just to get it cool. And then we could bump it back up to 70. Um, And we woke up to a crisp 67 degree apartment and it is amazing. 
Um, and then, so we decide, I don't know if you can see behind me, there's always something new going on behind me, right? Yeah, what, what is that? So we wanted, we wanted to make, I wanted to make Michelle a, a clothing rack because the one that she had was starting to bow a little bit in the middle. Oh yeah, I've broken some of those. <laughs> yeah. So like she wanted a place to hang all of her dresses and whatnot. So I was like, let me just make you one. And so originally the plan was to make one out of steel pipe. Uh, but the problem with that is to make one, you know, five feet tall and five feet across was going to run me about like just under 200 bucks. And she, we didn't, she didn't want to spend that money. So I was like, all right, let me just make one out of PVC then. So I measured out everything. I looked up a template online and, uh, I got it made and I priced it out for the price of what it would cost to build one out of steel. I could make two out of PVC. So um, I went and I bought all the materials. I brought it home and then I realized for the PVC I bought, because it's only an inch across, like the inside diameter is only an inch across. When you make it five feet, if you put any weight on it, it starts to bow in the middle. So what I have to do is I have to go back to Lowe's, shout out Lowe's, and um, put like a support piece in the middle so that it doesn't bow. And then I decided that I'm just going to make it, I'm going to make it like a corner piece. So like okay. see where that, see where that, see where this piece is right here? Yeah. I'm going to make it into a corner and I'm going to make it like an L-shaped rack so that, you know, we can have space for her and space for me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So hopefully that works out. Um, did you have did you have any ideas for what to talk about today? Yeah, I thought maybe we could um you had actually mentioned it last week. I think it was off air. Um, but I was mm -hmm. thinking we could um talk a little bit about how people can um feel comfortable in early sobriety kind of like with holidays coming summer coming a lot of barbecues fourth of july parties how to say no to drugs and alcohol um okay. or you know not let triggers affect them to use or drink again okay um okay so i guess i can start i guess we could just go we could just talk and just see where the see where the discussion takes us yeah so <clears throat> I would say first, let's just start off by saying to our listeners that you should not feel no, no one can force you to take a drug or put alcohol into your body if you don't want to. Okay. Forget, forget, you know, Oh, you know, everybody was drinking and someone called me a bitch because I didn't want to drink or I didn't want to I didn't want to smoke with them. If no, no one can make you do that. OK, so the next thing I'm going to add to that is if you find yourself in one of those situations where you're at a party and you feel you feel like 
you're being forced into drinking where even after you've made it clear that you're in recovery, then you need to leave. That's the first step. If you find yourself in a situation where you don't feel comfortable staying sober and people are forcing you, trying to force you into drinking. Yeah. Peer pressure, you making you feel bad in some way, manipulating you. um, Exactly. Pulling at your emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and remember too, that like the people that truly are your friends will want what's best for you. And what's best for you a lot of the times is recovery. Right. So think about who you're hanging out with too. Are you just hanging out with these people because you're used to it? Because they're your so-called friends, right? Um, because you've become, you know, in the habit of like, oh, well, these are the only people I know, right? So maybe your support system needs to change. But like, remember that again, if, if people really want what's good for you, they're going to be supportive, right? right. Um, so the other thing I always tell people is, if you plan on going to a party, a holiday event, a family event, even because that's a big trigger too, right? Mm-hmm. Like have a way out, whether it's, you have your own ride, you have money for a cab or Uber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you're in a recovery program, like a 12 step program, have a sponsor that you tell, Oh, I'm planning on going to this place. Can I call you if I need something, if I need to talk to you? Right. And there are also like on holidays, I would argue that there are more meetings available than, than normal. So even on like Christmas day, even on new year's day, Thanksgiving, 4th of July, Memorial day, labor day, like there are always going to be meetings specifically for situations like this. Yeah. So I know here on Long Island, you know, at 12 step programs like AA, they do um, 24 hour marathons. Right. Right. On, on big holidays. Um, I'm sure they do that at other places in the country as well. So like there's meetings available on the hour, every hour, but remember even without, because of COVID, you can find meetings online still all over the the world that you can join if you're feeling like you really need a meeting. Right. I would also suggest that when you find yourself like when you're at these parties, you know, always, you know, maybe situate yourself by a door or somewhere where you can like slip out and, you know, take a few minutes to deescalate yourself if you need to, you know, um, because when you, if you're, if you're in a packed room and you have to, you know, climb over people to, to get out, you know, people might be like, Oh, what's this guy doing? He's trying to leave. Like, what's up with that? Yeah. You know? And, and for people that are listening that want to be supportive of friends or family members that are choosing not to use or drink or be in sobriety or recovery, remind um, yourself to check what you say, right? So like, you know, if you notice somebody not drinking, you don't have to ask. Oh, can I get you some something else to drink? Mm-hmm. Right. Having non-alcoholic options for people. Right. Um, If they feel comfortable sharing why they're not drinking or using, allow them to. But if they don't, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, that's like one of the big things, especially I think with drinking and like the summer, like you go to a barbecue and like, Oh, like you want a beer. Right. And somebody's like, no. Right. Like knows a complete sentence. 
Mm-hmm. There's no explanation needed for why you do not want a beer. I think that's the shortest sentence in the English language is no. Yes. That's the second shortest. <laughs> um, I would also say, I mean, also for those of you that are in recovery, um, I would say if you're going to go to a party where you know people are going to be drinking and you're not confident that they are going to have non-alcoholic options, bring your own. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, Anika, I don't know what your stance is on like non-alcoholic beer, like, like the drinks that taste like beer, but don't have, you know, that have like less than 5%, less than 0.5% alcohol in them, or, you know, um, these, these new companies that they're making these things called mocktails where like, it tastes like, say, a strawberry daiquiri, but there's no alcohol or they make all these different things. Or whether if you want to just bring your own spring soda or, you know, bottled water or whatever. I um, mean, I, honestly, I think they can be really great options for people. I think you have to know yourself well enough. And this is where, like, working with a therapist or working with um, a provider, an outpatient program or a sponsor or mentor, whoever, like in a, like a self-help program um, is really important because you can talk about who you are, what your triggers are, like what that will look like for you. Because for some people that could be super triggering, mm-hmm. right? Especially like the non-alcoholic beers and wines. Mm-hmm. Right. And and sometimes also depending on like a program that you're doing, people will say that's not completely sober. I mean, 0.05% is the same as a banana. Right. Like in terms of alcohol content. So like, I don't know if you don't eat bananas because of that reason, too, then perhaps that might be a valid reason to not drink those. Wait a second. Did you just <laughs> say there's there's alcohol in a banana? Yes. Interesting. Um. There's there's sugar, alcohol, and gum. In okay, um, it's such a minuscule amount, mm-hmm. right? That like it's you would need to eat like six tons of bananas or something crazy. That's that's interesting because I think we talked about that like very early on about the non-alcoholic like, beer, how much you'd have to drink. I think yes, but I remember also saying something along the lines of how we would always encourage our patients to stay away from anything that could potentially trigger a false positive. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, these things are there's, if you have like a banana, it's not going to trigger it. Right. Okay. Right. Um, Whereas like mouthwash, the concentration is much higher. Oh yeah. Right. So like if the concentration of mouthwash is even 1% or 3%, right which I don't know exactly how much mouthwash with alcohol is, but mouthwash is like, like you could apparently, I think you could like take shots of it and get like, and get drunk. Yeah. But, but I do know that people have on breathalyzers given a positive reading because of mouthwash. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's something to like, think about too, that like, you know, there, there are going to be like things that, can cause that and things that won't. And so like being cautious, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, But again, I don't necessarily think that cutting everything out for everyone is necessarily like, you know, the the best thing too. like, 
people, I think, sometimes go to extremes in the sense that, like, okay, I can understand, like, non-alcoholic beer and a non-alcoholic wine because it also reminds you of the actual drinks, right? Like, alcoholic drinks. So it makes sense um, why for some people that could be triggering. But something like um, a mocktail that really has 0%, right? So, like, there's a couple brands out there now. Um, like, you can, you can go – there's this really good – I've actually, I've heard of this, and maybe you'd agree with me, Anika. If you go to the supermarket, there's actually this really good brand of non-alcoholic wine. It's called Welch's, and they have some really good red non-alcoholic wine. And if you drink it, it almost looks like you're drinking actual, you can put it in a wine glass, and it looks like you're drinking wine. Are we talking about grape juice here? Yeah, you got me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you got me um but but say but say you say a sparkling grape juice or sparkling um cider right. like apple cider right like right. non-alcoholic like they have those so that you could celebrate or have a toast somewhere right without feeling like um you're the only one out right or like missing out on something um so there are ways and again i don't necessarily know if that it could be triggering for someone it could not, right? Um, the taste is very different than an alcoholic drink. So like, again, I don't think in that sense that that's probably as triggering as like the non-alcoholic beer or wines. But again, it could be for somebody. You know, I've, I've heard people say that like just the glass that they put it in is triggering. And I've heard people say like using the glasses they used to use um, for their drinks actually make them feel better when they put something non-alcoholic in it. It makes right. them feel like they have control over it. I've also heard that some people are doing this and I think, I think I may do this when, when I get married is that, you know how like sometimes at a wedding, you know, the bride and groom will have like a signature cocktail and, you know, they'll make a sign and they'll say, all right, well, this is our signature cocktail for the night. And, you know, if you, you know, if you want to know what's in it, this is what's in it. And like the bride will have one or the groom will have one. But what they, what some bride and group, what some couples are doing is they're, they're doing like a, a drink for people that don't want alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like a mixed drink where they'll put like different juices and, and, and whatever in it. And it'll take, it'll, they'll present it like a cocktail, but there won't be any alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. So um, also, you know, when everyone gets seated and they're pouring the champagne for the toast, you can you can ask the server or whoever's pouring the drinks like, hey, can I have sparkling cider instead of champagne? And like, they'll literally be walking around with two bottles, you know, like just like a just like a like a like a busboy at a diner carrying the two cups of the two pots of coffee, regular and yeah. decaf. You know, you just tell them, oh, I just want cider, and they'll pour cider instead of champagne. And you know, the only granted. I don't know of any people in my family that are in recovery, but I know that there are people that don't like to drink because so I I would like to be able to give people that option. Well, and I think that, again, this is where it comes down to, right? Like as, as somebody that is throwing an event or a friend or a family member, right? Like you may not ask why, somebody's not drinking right just keep in mind it could be because they're in recovery it could be maybe because there's a family history of alcoholism or addiction that you don't know about 
could be for religious reasons. It could be for personal reasons. It could be because of medication they take. It be, right. could be because of trauma. I mean, like, there's so many things that could be going on for people why they don't drink. Like, who cares? Right. And that that kind of that kind of leads me to to a point that I was gonna make when I mentioned the whole wedding thing is like if if you wanna be able to socialize with your friends in a alcohol-free or drug-free environment, have you know pick the friends that you like that are eventually essentially the most supportive of your recovery and have them over to your place. Mm-hmm. Right? Because when you have them over to your place, you can set the tone. You can say, hey, listen, we're going to have, you know, you're gonna, we're going to, I figured you, we'll come over, we'll play board games, have some good food, and we'll watch a movie. You know, no booze, no drugs, nothing. Just come over, let's, let's hang out, and let's just have like a friend's game night or something. Yeah. Right? And if, if people start to get crazy, like if someone, you know, brings like a, a little bottle of booze, like, listen, we're not having that here. This is, this is a, this is an alcohol free zone. And if they'll be like, what the fuck, man? Like you can't, I can't get a little, no, you either put that in the car and leave it in the car or you can can leave, you can can leave leave. with the bottle. (laughs) Right. Right. Like if, if, if you're the host and the party or the get together is in your home, then you get to say whether or not people are drinking. So, like, I remember, um, you know, someone, uh, like one of my colleagues who I used to work with at the residential program, um, he was in, he was in recovery and he, I think it was for Labor Day or Memorial Day, whatever. He invited me over to his house. He's like, yeah, we're ha- I'm having like a big barbecue at my house. You know, you can come bring whatever, you know. We're going to have burgers, hot dogs, whatever. And um, I was like, oh, my God, that sounds like a fun time. And he's like, there's there's not going to be any booze. Though. I'm like, okay. And, you know, because obviously he's in recovery. He's probably inviting a whole bunch of his friends and whatnot. Um, and it was weird because I didn't know, originally know he was in recovery until like months after the fact. And then, like, after I found out that he was in recovery, it kind of clicked as to, like, why he didn't want to have booze at his house. Mm-hmm. But in in relation to what you were saying, like, you don't – like, people could not want to drink or not want to get high for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Which is why if you're, if you're a host, like, you should set up – you should have those options for people – Regardless, you know, like if you're going to be serving alcohol at your event, you should be giving people non-alcoholic options if they don't want. Well, and and preferably something that's not just water and soda so that they could also feel like included. Right. So like whether it's you, you have like a iced coffee available or a lemonade or, you know, um, like a, Pellegrino, like anything that's like a little bit different, that's not just soda and water, um, I think makes people feel a little bit better. The other thing that I would say that I've always said to clients um, when they're either at like an event um, or a party, 
and they're, they're new in sobriety, always have a drink in your hand and not alcoholic drink. Never not have a drink in your hand. Okay. Um, because what happens is if you, if you have something in your hand, people aren't going to say, oh, do you want something? Or like, what can I get you? Mm-hmm. Right. So you never really have to answer that question because you always have something to drink in your hand. And even if you don't feel comfortable disclosing, like I'm not drinking or something, be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just pacing myself. I'm taking a, I'm taking a break or like, oh, I just need some water. I need I feel dehydrated, you mm-hmm. know. So if you always have something in your hand, people aren't going to like really push you about it too much. That's a really good point. That is a very, very good point. And you could also when you go to the bar. And you add, because like if you're at a wedding, the only place to get a drink, no matter what it is, a soda or whatever, is at the bar. Um, you can ask the bartender, hey, can you put the little red straw in there? Or mm-hmm. could you give me a, a wedge of lime or a, or a lemon wedge or something to make it look like I'm drinking an alcoholic drink when I'm actually not? Yeah. I know people, too, that have even said like at weddings and stuff like that, um, have gone up to the bartender at the beginning of the night and been like, I'm in early recovery. I need to make sure that you're not going to serve me any alcohol. You I've, do heard that too? People, I've, I've heard of people say that, but I want to to still feel like the, kind of the same thing. Like, um, you know, can you just put the, the fruit wedge in there, the red straw? So like nobody asks me any questions. Mm-hmm. Right. 99% of the time, bartenders do not give a shit. If I was a, if I was a bartender, <laughs> I would be like, right on, man. I got you. You know, because I think that I think that takes I think that takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of courage to be able to say something like that to a complete stranger. And I would I would absolutely embrace that. And I mean, at the same time, you know, like even people that are like, oh, my gosh, I would never do that. Think about it. Are you going to see this person ever again? Fuck it. Probably not. So, I mean, especially if you live somewhere like we do. Right. Like. In, in the New York metropolitan area. I mean, it's highly unlikely. Maybe if you live in a very small town, I could understand, you know, that might not be something if, if people are all know each other, but like here in New York, nobody's going to give a shit. You're not going to see them again. And you could always, you could always make up like some totally bullshit excuse as to like why you don't want to drink. And if people don't want to believe you, then screw them. That's all them. You know, I I tell this story all the time. I tell it to my patients. I once had a patient at my outpatient program where I was an intern that told me this guy, this guy was like six foot five, big brolic Russian guy. And not that the fact that he was Russian matters. He he belonged to a family. Uh, belong to a culture where drinking was very much commonplace. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was, I believe it was Christmas or something like that. And he goes to his family dinner and he's not drinking. And his, uh, his family, his brothers and his cousins say, bro, why aren't you drinking? And he said, he said, he just got his, he just got his dual Kenyan citizenship and he's trying out for the Kenyan downhill skiing team. And according to the Kenyan athletic commission, he is not allowed to consume any mind altering substances. 
as part of his training because they do random drug testing. And he told me this like right after the fact. And I was like, did your family actually believe you? And he was like, I don't know if they believe me or not, but they were so fucked up. It like, because they were drunk, they were drunk already. That they wouldn't that, have known. Any that, that they bought it in the moment and they never said anything to me again after that. They probably so, didn't even remember a lot of them. Exactly. So he was like, it worked. You know, um, there, I just, I can't, I can't stress this enough that like no one can force you to do anything. So if, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable going to people's, going to people, like if you go somewhere and you don't feel comfortable, fucking leave, you know? And again, eventually after, after a while, after a while, you'll, you'll learn that like, okay, well, I can't go, I can't go to anything hosted by this guy. I can't go to anything hosted by this guy just yet because I'm still early. I'm still early on in my recovery. I'm not that confident yet. And I think everyone has like different, different ways that they kind of deal with everything. And, and over time, you know, people that have more long-term recovery, some people feel totally comfortable going to events that like, alcohol or, or, you know, marijuana or whatever might be there. Um, and other people will not, and will continue to be like, well, I'm only going to places that, you know, I feel that I can be a hundred percent safe. And, and either way is fine. It's just, especially in early recovery. Right. So if you have less than a year or two, I would say be right. cautious. I actually, I actually have a friend of mine, Maybe I could reach out to her too. She is very big into like EDM music and well, I should say EDM because the M stands for music. Um, EDM house music and all that stuff. And there's and, like a big scene of drugs around that, right? Oh yeah. And so she and a group of her recovery peers created this type of, I don't, I don't know exactly what it's called. Um, so maybe we can have her on and talk about it. Um, but it's basically like when you go to a big festival where a lot of people are, you know, I'm again, I'm, I apologize for the language. We're going to put an explicit notice in the, in the show description where people are all fucked up on drugs. There's a tent where you can go where you can dance and you can have fun and not feel pressured to be under the influence. Right. And they have, from what I recall, like they have, uh, they have screens so you can see what's going on on the stage so that you don't have to feel like secluded from everybody else. And I think the tent is usually like in a somewhat central environment. So it's not like off to the side or whatever. Um, so you know, that's I think that's cool. really cool as well. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think there definitely is a movement and I've seen it at least, especially here in, in New York, but just in general, though, um, there there is a bigger movement to even embrace sober curiosity. Right. right. Um, which that was never like a coined phrase before. Right. 
Um, so, so people who are just thinking about like, well, what is it like to, to not drink or use? Not because I necessarily define myself as having an addiction problem, right? Maybe I don't meet criteria, but in some way my life is not as great as I'd like it to be because of drugs or alcohol, right? And, and so I think people are becoming more aware, more health conscious, willing to try it to see what is this like? And I think we could, we could probably do like a whole episode actually on that as well. Like, what are some of these movements? What does it look like? How is it influencing the landscape? Um, Absolutely. Because I think it's, it's very interesting, but you know, go ahead. just, just to know, like there are other people though, that like will support you. Um, and I think there's going to be more events available, more like places just like that, that tent, right. The EDM festivals and stuff. Um, I think we're going to see that more and more. Right. And what I also want to stress is not every social event or social gathering has to involve alcohol. Like I once had a patient tell me everything is everything is made better with alcohol. You know, like pizza and beer, an amazing pairing. Right. You go to watch the Super Bowl. You always got, you know, you always see the commercials for beer. Right. You live on Long Island. Right. The basic bitches that go out to the North Fork for to do the winery tours. Right. You see, I see pictures of it all the time. As soon mm-hmm. as it gets warm out, people go out there and they, the, the, you can't even get close to Montauk because all the, all the wineries out there in the Hamptons and up on the North Fork are mobbed. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and I'd like to point out that these are social events. The word social does not have alcohol involved in it. That's true. <laughs> that's true. So just that little nuance there. Right. So if if you feel like we were saying before, if you can't go to an event so hosted by someone else, make your own. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that that you had in mind that you wanted to bring up? Not that I could really think about. I mean, again, I think the the main takeaways here for people um, is just to kind of like review is like in early sobriety, don't put yourself in an environment that you're going to feel uncomfortable, pressured, triggered in any way, if possible, have an escape and out, um, sit near a door, um, bring your own non-alcoholic drinks. If you need to um, have a non-alcoholic drink in your hand, um, you know, in terms of drugs, I mean, I think marijuana would probably be the most common in a social setting, right? Um, you know, leave, go to a different area of the party. Not everyone's probably going to be smoking there, you know, those type of things. Other drugs, I don't really think that they're done quite in the same setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe like cocaine, right? Um, but again, you could kind of use the same strategy of like, oh, no, I'm good tonight. Or like, oh, I think my my, my boss, you know, they've been giving drug tests out lately. Right. So like having some excuse whether or not you want to tell the truth of like I'm in early sobriety and you feel comfortable and strong in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Right. Like embrace it like rock it. Um, but if you don't, that's OK, too. You know, you might say, oh, I'm on antibiotics or like, oh, I can't today. You know, whatever right. the case may be. And so just having some of those um, available. So really, honestly, it's about preparation, in my opinion, and preparing yourself for an event, uh, um, a holiday, 
party, whatever it is, um, just to kind of like feel like, okay, at least I have somewhat of a plan going in. And then what does my plan look like for getting out? Right. So again, do I have my own ride? Do I need an Uber? Do I have somebody in my sober support I can call after? Because I might be having feelings. And you know what? This is something I want to say. It, for those of you that are in recovery that are listening to this, I know that it sucks that you would have that you're that you have to do all of this planning before you go to an event. But eventually you will get to a point where you won't have to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have to do like like for me. I I struggle with ADHD. It's a thing. I've told I've I'm I'm open about it with with my with my friends, my family, whatever. And for me, I have to do certain, like, I have to work sometimes a little bit harder just to be able to be on the same intellectual level as someone else who does not have ADHD, whether it be, you know, reading through things a couple more times or, you know, hey, saying, hey, could you repeat that? Or, you know, um, asking someone, hey, instead of saying it to me, like how to do something, can you show me? And like having people work a little bit harder to help you. Um, and that's okay, right? Because eventually you'll get to a point where it doesn't feel like you're doing extra work. And then like, I'll be able, like I can still function on that level. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in the meantime, until I get to a point where I can be, just as functional as someone else without trying as hard, I have to take these extra steps. That's exactly what you're going to be doing in your recovery event. Like at first you have to take steps to, to get to a point where you can make it through that event without drinking or without getting high. But eventually you will get to a point where you are so comfortable in your own skin and your ability to stay sober that you won't need to, you know, take those extra steps. Or if you do have to take those extra steps, it feels like second nature to you. Exactly. You know, and and again, it's one of those things that like, no, is it fun to put an extra work and effort and planning? No, right? But for so many people, regardless of addiction, like you said, it could be ADHD, it could be trauma, it could be like a medical issue. I mean, so many things, right? So many of us have to deal with some of these things that are going on for us. Right. Right. And so it's like, it takes the work and effort and is it fair? No, plain and simple. It's not right. But it is our responsibility to take accountability for ourselves and to move forward. Right. And so like growth and change requires effort. Right. For anyone, regardless of the situation. So like, right. Do you want to move forward or do you want to stay where you are? You know, it's funny. I'll tell this one last little story. Um, when I was in, when I was in 10th grade, I was hit by a car on my birthday. Right. And it's awful. it was terrible. And when I saw like this car was coming around the corner, 
I saw it coming. I was like, I froze. I didn't know what to do because I was like, this car's definitely going to hit me, but I don't know what to do. Right. So I got tagged and it didn't hurt like crazy because the car was moving relatively slow. But after that, I was telling my family about it and they were laughing because they were like, only this would happen to you. And my, my cousin, uh, my cousin, Rebecca, shout out Rebecca. She, she just said out of nowhere, she goes, she goes, car, car, C-A-R, want to get hit, just stay where you are. And I'd never heard that before. And it just, it just makes so much sense. It's like, it's almost like if, if, if you don't want to get, if you don't want to get hit, fucking move. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, even if you're moving, you can still get hit. I got hit by a car too. And I was moving, (laughs) but like, but like, think about that. But like, basically what I'm saying is like, if you don't, if you don't want to get hit, if you don't want to drink, if you don't want to get high, fucking do something, just do something. Um, so anyway, I think that's where we'll stop. Don't be Um, a sitting duck. Don't be a sitting duck. Um, so thank you guys for listening today. Um, if you enjoyed the content, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, leave us a five-star review, um, and drop us a comment because we really want to hear from you guys. Um, follow us on all the other podcasting platforms. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher also. Um, make sure to follow us on all of our social media accounts. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Get involved with our TikTok campaign to get AJ McLean on the Sober Highway podcast. Um, If you have any questions that you would like Anika and I to answer on the podcast, you can either DM us on any of our social media accounts or you can email us at thesoberhighway at gmail.com. Anika, do you have anything else? Nope. All right. So that is all for this week and we will catch you next Tuesday. Bye, everybody. Till next time. Bye.